What is up, folks? It is me, it is me, it is Mr. Sensational, Gino V, Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega, coming to you with a very, very, very special. We're talking the episode of Saved by the Bell, where Jesse used some form of methamphetamines to, I don't know, study for a test or do homework or something, and she started... Uh, belting out, I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so... And then had a complete colossal collapse and meltdown. That that level of very special episode. We we're coming to you with that type of special episode 96 here on the podcast. Episode 96 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. And folks, as I'm recording this intro, I just had to change some settings on um, my microphone as I attempt to helm this very special episode 96, so hopefully you can still hear me. And my apologies if uh, the audio was a little hot coming in. For some reason, my level control on the blue snowball microphone that is in fact orange um, got raised higher than it should have been, so I was peaking and uh, clipping all over the place, but hopefully that that has uh, been remedied at this point. Folks, it's been a while. It's been a long time, as uh, the rapper Rakim once said. It has been a long time. Um, It's been two weeks without a new episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, if I am doing the math correctly. And now, two weeks ago, I can't remember what the issue was. Um, I think I might have had a cold or something. Last week, I did have a cold. I can't remember. That's why I didn't do a show. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about the cold in a minute. But uh, last week, I ended up um, signing on, for those of you who've been listening to the show, the tens of ones who are familiar with the narrative here, um, you know that I've begun work over the last couple of months as a substitute teacher. And last week, I took on a week-long stint, one week subbing for the same teacher all week long. Um, So I was working full-time, and it was just too hard to pull off an episode. But now here we are. I have three weeks off, and I'm here ready to record this, which really is going to be, more or less, for all intents and purposes, the holiday episode of the podcast this year. It's a holiday season that really crept up on me this year, mostly due to the aforementioned week-long substitute gig that I had. Normally, I would spend some time that week, this week, it's a Tuesday, is the first week of my kids being out of school for their winter break. Um, and this week leads up to, I guess, what is it, like next weekend? For the for those who observe, um, is the Christmas holiday, right? It's like Sunday or something, maybe. I don't know. I gotta look at a calendar. It's the 20th as I record this, so it's five days away. Anyway, Normally, I would have spent some time last week prepping for this week to be all ready to go, ready to be into the holiday mode. Um, but I was working full time, so it didn't happen. So I'm kind of scrambling now. Um, and to make matters worse about being on the ball about things, as I mentioned a few moments ago, I basically had a cold for like the last um, maybe three weeks or so. Um, it was about a week of actually being actively ill with a cold. 
But there was like a week leading up to that where I felt like I might be coming down with a cold. And then there was a week after being actively sick where I'm still kind of congested and stuffed up. And even even now, even now, I'm not 100%. Now, I, I only bring this to you. I only mention this because when I became afflicted with this common cold, it occurred to me it was the first illness other than um, the COVID-19 uh, virus. That's a virus, right? Yeah. Um, that I've had since the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020. I didn't get sick through all of 2020. Um, I guess I didn't get sick through 2021 either. I got COVID in 2022. And then I just now got this cold. And I forgot what a tremendous pain the common cold is. Because I never got egregiously ill. I never got anything more than just feeling kind of like a feeling of discomfort and under the weatherness. But it's such a long, lingering thing that I hope to never have happen again. Sadly, it probably will happen again. I, I think the, the multi-year thing was kind of an anomaly. Though I do not get sick that often, even pre-pandemic. I um, In the world of professional wrestling... There's this idea that, um, you know, the spectacle you see before you, the choreographed, some may see, might say fake um, athletic competition, combat sports competition you see in front of you, um, the quality of the performance uh, is predicated on each participant's willingness to cooperate with the other. Now, since these individuals are not actually punching, kicking, choking, um, manipulating each other's limbs. They, they, are, they are acting as if they are. If I am acting as the aggressor in a professional wrestling match, I need my partner to um, be on board with acting as if the aggressiveness is having an effect on them. So I, I, I perform what they call in the business a worked punch on my opponent in ring, I expect my opponent in ring to what they call sell that punch, to act as if they were punched, even though they were not, in fact, punched. There is a term in the world of professional wrestling if should an individual choose to become uncooperative for any number of reasons, and we won't get into all the reasons why that might be, but it's part of what makes wrestling so compelling, so interesting to me, that there would be reasons to be uncooperative. When one does not sell that punch, that move, that hold, that throw, whatever it is, it is considered to be that one is, in fact, no selling. This is a term, no sell, no selling. Not reacting, not cooperating. And like many great professional wrestling terms, no selling, I find, um, applies to any number of instances out in the real world. So when it comes to illness, when it comes to common colds, I try whenever possible to no-sell. I do not like being sick. I feel like some people, um, I, I don't mean that they want to be sick, but some people, the, 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 the earliest onset of a sniffle, you're calling in sick from work, you're, you're cuddling up with your Vicks Vapor rub and your blankets, and you're not leaving your house for weeks on end. I've got too much to do. And I'm not even that active a person, but I just don't like, you know, even just, even if I'm home, I want to be able to circulate around my house without 
feeling like death warmed over. So I will do whatever I can, whatever lies within me existentially to no-sell illness. It gets to a point, you know, obviously, eventually, you can only no-sell so much, and then you got you to cooperate with your, your dance partner, in this case, uh, the common cold. But uh, just psychologically, I do not want to be sick. So I do, and sometimes I do find myself able to shove that sickness down and never really comes to fruition. This time it did. Like I said, the week before I got fully sick, I was teaching an elementary school class and I could just sense like uh, I was getting certain dryness in my mouth as I was trying to talk to them. And the dryness persists. This has been weeks, weeks. And still, as I'm talking now, you get kind of this chalky dryness in your mouth where speaking turns into this sort of um, nails on a chalkboard feeling. Uh, that was starting to happen to me. There was just a little bit of like stingingness in the back of my my uh, sinuses. And then sure enough, after about a week, full-blown cold. And now here we are weeks later, still, still trying to claw myself back to normalcy. And we're almost there. Hopefully we can get there soon. In the meantime, for the rest of this very special episode 95, I guess since it is a holiday episode of sorts, I'll give a little rundown of what I've been doing to prep for the holidays, what I've been doing to feel festive um, as the holiday season just uh, crashed through the wall like Kool-Aid Man and is now here. Um, And then I'll tell some stories from the trenches about that aforementioned week that I spent substituting for the same 7th grade social studies class, um, Monday through Friday. So, uh, quick holiday rundown. Um, this has been a strange holiday season in the sensational household because it is our last nuclear family Christmas uh, with our oldest child, Miss Sensational One, um, being a child. She will turn 18 in March. So this is her final Christmas as a minor. Um, furthermore, she is likely going away to college um, next year. So this time next year, she will not be living with us either. So it's been odd because you can't really uh, prep for these things. They just kind of happen, and they happen very, very suddenly. I, I think I've mentioned on the show before how strange it was to go from um, our family living in the same house for 10 years our children going to the same school in our oldest case from kindergarten through uh, eighth grade and then suddenly moving. And um, one day being the last day to ever set foot on that campus. One day being the last day to ever be in that house you've been in through for 10 years. So th- this is yet another milestone as we move on to the end of all things, I guess, um, is the, <laughs> the moral of this uplifting tale. Um, so we've been doing our best to, to keep the family holiday traditions going. Um, as I'm sure I've talked about on the show before, all four of us are fairly on board with the Christmas season. We're not like psychotic about it or anything, but we, we do have our family traditions and our things that we enjoy. So, you know, we've got the tree up, we've got the decorations out. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, tree ornaments was destroyed by one or more of our cats the other day. So that was kind of a bummer. But that is the, uh, I don't know if, if that's unique to us, um, but I, f- I feel that Christmas time is a treacherous time when you have pets and you have 
decorations and tchotchkes, seasonal decorations and tchotchkes that come up and get put up everywhere and are all highly breakable. Because every year now, I, I feel like we lose, gain a few, lose a few. Um, and it's a um, unending battle. Maybe we're just horrible pet uh, owners. Um, I don't know. How do you fare, you pet owners out there? Um, do you face the same sort of death, destruction, terror, and mayhem of your holiday decorations as we do here? I don't really There's not much that we can do about it, barring not putting decorations up. And that sort of seems to defeat the purpose. So uh, um, I guess it's kind of akin to those who uh, are still, you know, uh, social distancing and all that stuff ha- had its time and place when uh, there were no tools to protect oneself from COVID-19, but now there's still... There were, there were people on the lunatic fringe extreme back then that wanted to still throw themselves out in, into harm's way when, the, when there was no protection, no tools. But now I, I also know people that like won't still are avoiding any kind of contact with anybody. I feel like not putting up the decorations just so they won't get broken is kind of that extreme. Um, can I really let my three cats um, end my life of holiday decorations? No, I can't. I will shed a tear when they destroy said decorations, but it, it's, it's a balance like everything else in life. It's, it's, it's a balance, I suppose. Um, in other holiday news, I am... Um, the tens of ones who who have listened to the show for some time probably know. I'm sure I've talked about this before. My penchant for a um, particular Japanese restaurant called Hana Japanese Restaurant in the unlikely town of um, Roner Park, California. Roner Park is a small um, suburban town near Santa Rosa. I don't know how to put this delicately. It, it's not the kind of place where you would expect to find a reputable high-end Asian restaurant, whether Japanese or otherwise. There, I mean, maybe demographics have changed in, in, over the years, but especially at the, when this restaurant first came onto my radar in the 1990s, Roner Park was not known for um, heavy Asian population. Um, I feel like at one point, was it in Roner Park? I think in the 1990s when I was in high school, some fellow that happened to be of some sort of Asian extraction was having a meltdown in front of his house. And I'm pretty sure it was Roner Park and apologies. Don't please don't sue me for definite defamation if it wasn't, but I think it was Roner Park. I think members of the Roner Park police department showed up as this guy was having some manic episode in front of his house involving wielding a broom. And, um, they shot and killed the individual. But their reasoning was that because he was Asian and because he was holding the broom, he was presenting a martial arts stance. <laughs> that term has stuck in my mind ever since then, a martial arts stance. So I guess there were some Asian people in Roner Park. But it's still, it was, it, it's a pretty white bread suburban town. And so you're not expecting like a super fancy high-end Japanese restaurant. Yet one there is, Hana Japanese restaurant. And, and again... Just as a caveat, just as a disclaimer, just a, I feel like sometimes I'm misunderstood. I'm not some sort of um, dining fascist. I'm not obsessed with uh, uh, dining fineries and, and high-end food and all this, that, and the third. I do enjoy eating. I do enjoy the, the experience of enjoy, uh, sharing meals with, with people I'm friends with. Um, but I, that can be anything for me from, you know, we can we can... A full spectrum from McDonald's to 
what I experienced this holiday season at Hana Japanese restaurant. I'm not uh, fixated only on going to, um, I, for lack of a better term, a fancy restaurants, fine dining restaurants. But it, it, that just happens to be what type of restaurant Hana Japanese is. It's not like I go there 24-7, but if I want to go somewhere with that type of environment in mind, that tends to be one of the places I go to. Uh, and when I do go there, for sure, it's once a year for this holiday dinner that they offer um, that Ms. Sensational and I, my wife, have been going to for years now. It's kind of our, our holiday thing. We don't really do gift exchanges or anything. We go to this dinner together. Uh, anyway, kind of a strange year because this is the first year. I'm almost positive I talked about this on the show. But the owner of Hana Japanese Restaurant, um, Ken San, Ken Tominaga, he uh, died um, less than a year ago. He was at the last holiday dinner. That was the last time I saw him. Um, died unexpectedly to me um, from cancer a few months after that rest, uh, that dinner. Um, and so now the restaurant is under the care, under the operation of his son. Um, and so this was odd because it was a long-standing tradition. You expect to see Ken San there kind of running things. He was not there, obviously could not be there. But now his son is running it, so it was cool. So it was like... It, it, uh, what is what's old is new again. Uh, the, the the circle of life continues. Tradition continues. The holiday tradition continues. Um, Ms. S and I went. We met a uh, a couple that we're friends with there. Um, we all had a great dinner together. A great time. Um, the food was excellent. Um, after uh, dinner, um, Ken San's wife uh, Emmy approached us and offered us. Um, this uh, Japanese green tea that she brought from Kyoto. She prepared some cups of this green tea for us. Very nice uh, kind of after-dinner experience. So great time, and um, uh, the restaurant chugs along, thankfully. I didn't know what might become of it with the passing of Ken-san, but uh, Hana Japanese Restaurant is still here for now. Um, one thing I will uh, will point out, I will, I will pose this question to you. Um, when we were eating this meal... Because of the style of Japanese restaurant this is, obviously there were there were sushi nigiri courses. And in two of those courses were different iterations of uni, sea urchin, um, which uh, I eat. I enjoy eating. The friends of ours that were with us uh, do not like uni. And I'm not surprised. I don't mean like I expect people not to like it, but I, as I was saying when we were having this meal, of all the different things you experience with nigiri sushi, all the different cuts of fish and everything, probably the one thing that is most, one of these things is not like the others, is uni, as far as texture, as far as just everything about it. Um, I understand. It's, 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 if it's not something that you eat would seem very odd. And I enjoy eating it and I like it, but I don't like it because it's good, if that makes any sense. And there are in the different iterations of Asian food that I grew up eating, it's like this in Chinese food too, which my family, the Asian side of my family is Chinese. There's certain Asian dishes, Asian foods that you become accustomed to and you eat. And it's not that you dislike eating them. It's not that you're even like eating them out of duty. Like you want to eat them, but it's not because they're good. I, 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 there's got to be some term for this. There, there's an oddness to them that I understand 
it's not the same thing as something like, oh man, that just tastes great. It's, but there's still something, there's something simultaneously off-putting and odd, but also welcoming and inviting. And I'm wondering, um, because my experience with this has mostly been um, in Chinese food and then through exploration Japanese food, I'm wondering when it comes to more quote-unquote Western food, if there's any analogs to this, if there's any similar, if if there's something out there, because I don't, I'm trying to think, because again, just the way I was raised, the way my family background was, family dinners were always Chinese food. Um, that was the more dominant cuisine. Um, obviously, like we would eat n- typical like Middle American food here and there, but I just, I'm not as deep into it as some folks might be. And so I'm just trying to think what um, what is out there on the Western side of things that fills that, occupies that space of a food that is not good, but you eat it. And it's not that you eat it as a chore. You enjoy eating it, but it is not quote-unquote good in the traditional sense. Let me know. Um, I don't know how you're going to let me know because I'm not uh, on uh, the Twitter machine anymore. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, Wendell led me over to Hive, and uh, that that was a bust. But uh, I'm still over on Facebook. Um, uh, If we're not already connected, send me a friend request. Uh, Also, let me know that it's uh, by way of the show because I used to accept all friend requests. I've stopped pretty much accepting any friend requests just because there's a lot of weird accounts out there and stuff. But if you were someone from the show, let me know. Also, um, the uh, IC Robots uh, Radio Network Facebook page is alive and well, so you can always uh, leave a little something in the comments there. I'm just curious. Um, But anyway... With the completion of the Hana holiday dinner, the holidays are officially kicked off. Tomorrow night, we have the uh, Napa Cigars um, holiday. I don't know what you call it. Holiday evening. Um, Going to that. Um, Finished all the Christmas shopping uh, for my niece and nephew the other day. Um, Yeah, so things are rolling along on the holiday train choo-choo. Or it's supposed to be like you're ringing a bell, right? Because there was that Polar Express thing. So we're... Ho, 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 or something. <laughs> Did I mention I'm sick? Oh, God. Um, anyway, to close out a uh, very special episode 95, I told you all in the tens of ones of the listening audience that I would share some tales from the trenches of how it's been going with uh, this adventure of substitute teaching. And um, just as a recap, for the most part, it has been um, pretty, as the kids would call it, chill. That is uh, the, the, the descriptor most often associated with me by the students I've substituted for, that I am somehow chill, mainly because I sit there, I choose to sit there reading a book rather than get into um, power struggles and squabbles with fools that are doing annoying stuff like tapping a pencil on a table or looking at their phone. Um, my philosophy, generally speaking, I try to bring sort of the drunken master um, approach to substitute teaching in that... Um, the Morris Roomba 2 has finished running. Uh, okay. My, uh, <laughs> my Roomba vacuum cleaner named Jesus has just notified me via my Google Nest Wi-Fi extender that it has finished running. Even though it is not running, it is literally uh, 
sitting here next to my feet under the computer. Uh, my Roomba is named Jesus because uh, I received it as a Christmas gift several years ago on December 25th. And so I thought it was appropriate to name it Jesus. Um, someone once got irked when they found out that it was named Jesus because they thought that I... <laughs> <laughs> they thought that I was giving they thought that I was giving a machine that does menial labor around my house a um a uh, Spanish uh name. Jesus, Jesus. That wasn't the intent. It was supposed to be a Christmas joke. If anything is even worse, you know, I, I was blaspheming against Oh, that too. My my uh, child is reminding me too. This is actually not the first Jesus. This is the second Jesus. The first Jesus broke. A, a replacement Jesus was made. So as she just pointed out, Jesus has, in fact... I'm, I'm recording, bro. Um, hit the bricks. <laughs> uh, I'm just... I'm, I'm kidding, guys. Um, anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, so this Jesus has, in fact, died and come back to life. So if anything, I was blaspheming against the Lord versus making some sort of Trumpian uh, social commentary. Um, so as I was attempting to say, I, I feel that in my capacity as a substitute teacher, I'm not going to be making any great academic strides with these individuals for the day or a few days that I'm going to be with them. I'm a stopgap person because at the end of the day, as, as has become evidently clear to me by spending time in the education system, uh, public school, and I mean, the same private, except you're paying for it. Uh, for, for it to be uh, presented in a certain way. But, but essentially, school's primary function is a holding place for minors during the day while their parents are not at home. Um, so when a teacher, a professional teacher who has a relationship with the classroom is not there to institute their lesson plan, really, I'm a warm adult body there to make sure that Someone is overseeing these minors while they are being held, while their parents are not at home. So I'm under no delusion that I'm there to be some sort of educator. Um, I feel like some people might do that. I've had a few people that when I tell them that, no, I don't really teach kids anything. I'm just there to hang out with them. They're like, oh, that's such a shame. It's like, what you, what am, what's going to happen? I'm going to walk into a chemistry class where the, the last time I took chemistry was in uh, my own 11th grade, however many years ago, however many decades ago that was, where all I did was uh, copy homework off the guy next to me and get Fs on all the tests so I could get a C in the class. I'm not going to teach these kids anything about chemistry uh, or, you know, fill in the blank uh, subject. That's not the point. So uh, I'm freed of delusions that I'm some, some sort of educator. I'm also um, not the type, though, I remember what it was like to be a child, I'm not interested really in lording authority over children or bossing them so long as people are not um, infringing on others, hurting each other, doing something that's just such a disruption that other people can't do what they need to do. So I try to maintain an uneasy peace in the classroom. Um, I try to reach out to some of the more uh, problematic children and, and create some sort of rapport or relationship to sort of blunt um, the amount of disruption they're causing to other students, things of that nature. And to this point, it's been fairly successful, um, particularly, though, in either elementary school or high school. 
because elementary school students are insane, but they're not jerks. High school students are jerks, but they're not totally insane. They more or less want to be jerks among themselves and they don't want to involve you. So elementary school actually do get to do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of more, hey folks, you know, (coughs) excuse me, good Lord, Um, very unprofessional. I, um, elementary school, you're more, there's a lot of engagement and you're busy with that. High school, they want nothing to do with you. They're quietly doing their own thing or talking amongst themselves, but not like slamming each other into walls and like, you know, throwing desks through the window. So I'm able to just, you know, kick back and read when it's high school students. Middle school is a whole other beast. Middle school is, is welcome to the jungle. You're going to die. Um, middle school, they are both insane and jerks. So it's the worst of all worlds. It is, it is complete insanity. And what I'm going to do, rather than try to do some sort of narrative recount of how my week in a middle school social studies class, seventh grade class went, I'm going to read you a redacted version of the email that I left the teacher that I subbed for after I was done. So, without further ado, uh, let me begin. Hi, blank. This is me writing this email, and when I say blank, that's the teacher's first name, and when I, if I'm going to say blank or bleep things out, just you fill in the blanks. It's, I, I don't want to give details of, of school specifics or classroom uh, specifics. And um, I'll refer to children that I talk about with their first initial. <coughs> Excuse me. Hi, blank. Just wanted to check in with a follow-up on room blank happenings from last week. You mentioned your trip was due to a family emergency, so please feel free to ignore this until you're back and settled. In summary, things went generally well, so there's nothing that can't wait. For a quick overview of how classes fared, periods one and five were, as you predicted, boisterous, but in a friendly way, if that makes sense. Some students had no interest in doing classwork, while others were quietly amidst the noise. I spent a lot of time in those two periods trying to make connections with the rowdier kids and keeping things at some level of controlled chaos. Again, these classes were in no way bad. I really enjoyed getting to know the students in both of them. There was simply a lot of, understandable, bouncing off the walls during the last week before winter break. Period 4 was the most consistently focused and low-maintenance class during the week. Everyone was working, or appearing to work, each day, and we made it all the way to the last 10 minutes of Friday before there was anything even resembling the energy from periods 1 and 5. Period 2 was awful, though I feel bad saying this, because there was only a small group of three students who were consistently problematic. The three students in question were A, O, and E. A started the tone on Monday when he asked me if I spoke Spanish. I naively took this to be a genuine question and answered no. Of course, while I'm not a fluent speaker, I have lived in California all 46 years of my life, so I can understand plenty. I soon realized he took this as a license to begin a stream of curse words in Spanish. I ignored it on the first day because I feel it's better not to feed negative cries for attention. O was also difficult that first day, trying to lie about his name during roll and making other weird comments. These two, A and O, seemed to encourage E to start acting out as well. A was absent on Tuesday, which temporarily killed that dynamic, but on Wednesday he returned. All three students ended up in the back of the room, where A produced a Chromebook that he slammed against a desk. O then kicked the Chromebook while it was on the ground, and E continued to play with the broken remains and make jokes about it. 
Keep in mind, this was all with me sitting there looking directly at them. I observed for another few minutes as they and a few other boys continued to play with the destroyed computer until I approached and asked if one of them was going to bring the Chromebook to the office or if I needed to do it for them. At this point, they tried to assert that they hadn't done anything. I was pretty angry, which is not my natural demeanor, so when class ended, I took the three primary actors, A, O, and E, to the office, along with four boys who were more tangentially involved. The office kept the main three, and I told the other four to leave. I did. I straight up was like, hit the bricks. I haven't been substituting for long, but this is the first time I've had to involve office discipline. More on what became of period two in a moment. Period six was also a handful, though nowhere near as mean-spirited as the problematic students in period two. The main issue with period six involved a core of students who kept trying to leave the classroom. In particular, L, a girl who hangs out with L, who I now realize I don't have a name for, and L2. On Monday, L kept hounding me to, quote, go to the bathroom, so I eventually let him go, but forgot to give him a pass. Meanwhile, the girl whose name I don't have managed to slip out without my noticing. After a while, an adult male who didn't introduce or identify himself to me, more on this shortly, returned the two of them to the classroom and, it felt to me at the time, scolded me for letting them out. Oh, he did. I felt totally irresponsible for allowing this to happen. Actually, I didn't really, but I'm trying to sound you know, with it in this email. So I vowed to come up with a better system for the constant attempts to leave the classroom. Because I kept encountering students in all periods who had very legitimate reasons to come and go, I didn't want to institute a no one leaves ever policy. At the same time, students kept trying to help themselves to the orange bathroom tickets. I decided to make a temporary bathroom pass by taping a ticket to a frisbee I found in the classroom. This worked well until sixth period, where L ended up conning his way into using the pass twice, at which point he was returned to the class by the same adult male from the day before who seemed angry that L was being allowed to roam around. Period six issues came to a head on Wednesday, the same day as the Chromebook destruction in period two. S, who at this point I thought I could trust, asked to use the bathroom pass. He returned without it, and I asked him where it was. He shrugged and told me it was where the bowl got stuck. At the same time, L, too, ran out the back door of the classroom and into the adjoining classroom where he started running up and down the aisles of occupied desks in that room. As I chased after L, too, to bring him back, another student told me that he and S were going to retrieve the bathroom pass. Distracted, I said fine. Moments later, as I returned to the class with L, too, a new adult male who didn't identify or introduce himself returned with S and his pass retrieval partner. What I didn't realize is that the pass was on the roof of the school, since dear S, who was great most of the time, inexplicably decided to throw it up there. S and this other student, whose name I don't have and who I think was genuinely trying to help, were caught climbing on the roof. S was also walking with crutches that he'd taken from yet another student. The unidentified adult male was angry with me for letting a student use another student's crutches, which is certainly, certainly not something I did by choice. Although, I don't know, sometimes I let people use other people's crutches, but you know. Anyway, Wednesday was a low point due to experiences in period two and six. And, that by, and by that evening, easy for me to say, I felt furious thinking back on it. Having nothing to do with your preparations, I'm saying this to the teacher, which were great and helpful. I felt very put off with how the administration had interacted with me up to that point. 
So I sent an email to the principals giving feedback. To their credit, both Mr. D and Mr. C, the previously unidentified adult males, came by and introduced themselves to me the next day, and I had a great conversation with Mr. D. Mr. D removed O and A from period two for the remaining two days. A, of course, tried to ignore instructions and came to class both days anyway, but was removed by Mr. D each time. And both administrators came by to support me with students trying to leave in period six. Once I knew who the administrators were and we established communication, everything made a lot more sense and worked much more smoothly, which is something Mr. D said the administration is endeavoring to improve on with their, uh, on their end with subs in the future. Again, easy for me to say. With the period two and period six drama out of the way, let me say that there were plenty of positives during the week. I'm sure I'm forgetting some students, but the list of students who were either friendly Helpful, fun, hardworking, respectful to others in school property, or some combination of all these things included period one, P, J, S, in parentheses, when he wasn't throwing makeshift bathroom passes on the roof, uh, V, and D. Period two, another D, another J, H, period four, L, another L, O, uh, not the O from... Destroy the Chromebook. You get the sense. I am not, it's pointless to read all these uh, initials. But yeah, there are plenty of kids who were nice and fun to hang out with and helpful and so on and so forth. Some of these students were in multiple periods and the positive qualities continued in each of those as well. I also need to tell you that one student uh, who I cannot name uh, publicly stayed with me every day after school to help me clean up the classroom, including wiping off desks and picking up garbage that other students left on the floor. Yeah, that was kind of heartbreaking that this child was uh, such a good-natured individual that all of these other uh, uh, less um, positively inclined fools are just like throwing their trash on the ground, grinding it into the carpet, you know, trying to make as much of a mess as they possibly can. And then this fool is just like hanging out after school and they don't need to, helping some old pushing 50 guy uh, clean up crap off the floor. Um, I, abandoned, I abandoned giving out, um, I'm not going to name them because it'll identify the school, but I abandoned giving out these these like do-gooder passes. Like you get these little certificates for doing good, uh, behaving well in class. I abandoned giving out the uh, behavior passes early on because I gave them to the entire homeroom class one morning only to have many of them crumpled up and dropped on the floor or turned into paper airplanes. I did give smiley faces to periods. Well, okay, I'm not going to read the rest of this because it's boring. Uh, just uh, behavior reinforcement stuff that I'm uh, telling the teacher about. In any case, thanks again for all your preparation leading up to this assignment. As tough as it can be at times during the week, I actually find myself missing those kids a bit here on Saturday morning. Weirdly, I kind of did. You, from reading you this, maybe you wouldn't think that I, that I felt a nostalgic pang after the week was over. I guess it's kind of a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. It's like I, I spent this, this hellacious week with these, these crazed kids and now they're gone and I'll never see them again. And so a tear comes to the eye, I suppose. Um, I hope you enjoy your much deserved winter break. I have a whole new level of respect and admiration for, for everyone who works in middle school. That is true. Sincerely, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, P.S. I owe you a Frisbee. So, folks, that was uh, that, that, that is a, as real as it gets. It, it, as, uh, as I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I took a look and realized there's nothing left, or however that Dangerous Minds thing went. Um, yeah, that, that's life in the trenches. That's life uh, doing, doing, a, doing a hard week in middle school, as real as it gets. Um, but it's weirdly, 
you may hear this and you may think, and I, I don't know that I'll ever actually go back to this school because I, I didn't love my experience there particularly. I, I get it. Once, once I actually uh, told the administrators how I felt and they introduced themselves to me, then I realized they're not trying to, to diss me by, by just coming in and not acknowledging me and not telling me who they are and being kind of scoldy. They are just, they are in the zone. They are, they are trying to get a job done and I'm, I'm witnessing them do one of like a thousand interactions like this in the course of the day. So they're just machines on a mission. And I get that now after talking to them and I appreciate that. Um, but they appreciated the feedback that I left them because I could have just left the job and never come back. And then they wonder why they can't get substitutes. And they said some of the stuff that I told them actually, you know, was helpful to them. Like where they need to have some co- sort of coordination where subs actually know who the assistant principals are, know directly who you have to talk to when you're having something crazy go on, like a Chromebook be destroyed. I, I, I uh, found that Chromebook destruction, that was particularly triggering to me. Um, most of the stuff that these kids do with the jobs I've done so far it doesn't phase me, doesn't bother me in the slightest. That really bothered me because there are children in this world who – a crappy $100 Chromebook would be just life-changing. Um, and, and not hyperbolically, really would be. And these kids are being given these things, and their response to it is to curb stomp it and beat the crap out of it. Uh, that one, that was a hard one. And that particular crew showed no remorse and just honestly felt irritated that I got them in trouble for it. As one of them told me, I was now a snitch. Um, Don't regret snitching on them in the slightest. But folks, um, we've gone long, although I guess I was gone for two weeks, so what the heck. Just a window into the world of what's been going on in the Life Sensational. Um, We'll be back maybe next week. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, we'll be back next week with more as we lurch forever on towards episode 100 and then we'll figure out what is going on with the show from there to you in the tens of ones from me right here let me just wish you an incredibly happy holidays whatever your holiday predisposition may be whether it's this holiday that holiday no holidays have a good couple of weeks try to warm yourself up in this coldest time of the year and uh until next time it's me it's me it's mr sensational gino v and i am signing off as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. Or you and your homies might be lying and chalk. I really hate the trip, but I gotta know. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool. I'm the kind of G the little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street The situation they got me facing. I can't live a normal life. I was raised by the state, so I gotta.